So we've decided to put measures in place that will assure that Canadians and that people from other countries make investments in our economy that will create growth and jobs. And we see that we can do that in a fiscally responsible way because we are reducing the amount of, of debt as a function of our economy over time. Hmm. What? Are you kidding me? No, you're not. You're adding to it and to the deficit. And Justin uh, Trudeau, he better hope that the economy grows from the heart out because we are adding billions to both the debt and deficit. And there is absolutely no thought uh, in this update as to what happens if interest rates go up or if the economy slows, as many, many economists are saying is going to happen, or any help for Alberta, which is on the verge of collapse. And this budget was sold as, you know, making Canada competitive, but we're not lowering corporate tax rates. So we still can't compete with the United States. And the money spent, you know, there'll be some relief for businesses, but it's very targeted. So essentially anything that was promised in 2015, that's out the window. I mean, as Kathleen Wynne said herself, it was a stretch goal. It was a stretch goal. Let's bring in someone who had to go into lockup to uh, dissect all the fine print in this thing to get to the bottom line. David Aiken, he joins us now. David, this is a pretty political um, update, wouldn't you say? Well, absolutely, in the sense that uh, it's the last one, the last fiscal update we're going to have before we go to the polls next year. We'll certainly see the budget. And, uh, and it's definitely done with an eye towards the opposition. And Alex, if you've been following along on Ottawa uh, stuff the last few days, you may have noticed that the Conservatives have been pressing Morneau, Trudeau, and the Liberals to say, when are you going to balance the budget? Mm -hmm. Remember, they promised in 2015 they would balance the budget by the next election. And today, of course, there's no uh, target for a balanced budget. It's deficits as far as the eye can see. And Bill Morneau, the finance minister, very specifically had lines for those critics, the conservatives primarily, who would say, what the heck, why aren't you balancing the budget? And his point is, oh, if we you know, just uh, tried to balance at all costs, we'd have to cut services. And you've heard this before, Mm -hmm. the Tory times are tough times, line from uh, liberals. That's what they're trying to do. And uh, and so they're trying to justify why deficits, modest deficits, albeit, are okay. And their bet is, when you think back to 2015, uh, voters were okay with a party saying, I'm going to run some deficits. And they think that voters will be okay this time next year. And we should point out, one of the other things we're relying on is saying, by the way, have you seen the economy lately? Mm-hmm. You know, we're leading the, leading the G7 in growth. Uh, unemployment's at a 40-year low. Year-over-year wage growth is near a decade high. And business profits, they're also near a decade high. So the liberals look at all those great economic numbers and say, hey, we must be doing something, right? Let's keep doing it. Right. But okay, it, the question then becomes, if the, everything's so great, why the need for the deficit spending? Because now they're just banking on the fact that nothing's ever going to go wrong. Therefore, the cupboards will be bare should the economy slow, which is what a lot of uh, you know experts are suggesting will happen in the next year. And that's exactly where the debate is happening now, Alex. That's what's going to be. So um, you will see a lot of economists say, you know, you have to look at deficits in relative terms. And in relative terms, these deficits that we're going to be running relative to the size of our economy and the size of the federal budget, are still small. They would still leave us with, quote-unquote, fiscal capacity. That means borrowing more. Should we end up in some kind of global trade war or should there be some kind of downturn? 
Uh, but others will say, why even risk it? Why not? When times are good, as they clearly are now, that's exactly when you should be balancing the budget. And you know what? This is the other thing. I, you know, the federal government is not the only government in Canada that you start looking at these issues of deficits and debt. We've just seen the Ford government in Ontario table their fall fiscal update. And, you know, we know they're trying to rein in years of de- deficits from the Liberals, but the, the debt-to-GDP ratio in Ontario is alarmingly high. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest subnational debt, I think, or deficit in the entire world. That's Ontario. And Canada, at the end of the day, backstops Ontario. So, you know, as I say, this is why some say, you know, if you were just thinking about your own house there, Bill Morneau, maybe we'd, we'd give you a pass on these deficits. But you've got to be thinking that, you know, there could be some provinces in real trouble, Ontario just because of the size of their debt, and Alberta mm-hmm. because, you know, still, our, our oil is just like we're practically giving it away right now. Right, but yet you look at this and there's no help for Alberta other than, hey, if you want to buy some equipment, you can write that off. But the companies are leaving. And so if I'm in Alberta tonight, and I mean, I'm in Ontario and I'm aggravated about this, they've done nothing to ensure and bring back, like nothing for Alberta. Yeah, and this is going to be interesting. So uh, the Prime Minister's itinerary for tomorrow is just out, and guess where he's going to be? Yeah, he's going to Calgary. Yeah, Might be a frosty Calgary, reception. Right into the lion's den. So presumably he's going to have some answers to those questions. I asked Morneau himself uh, in our lockup today. I said, you know, the oil patch was expecting a little more here, sir. And, yes, his answer is, listen, those, those, uh, the ability to write off uh, any new equipment purchase is not insignificant. True enough, fair enough. Uh, again, the oil patch is looking for more, and more nose line would be, and you know what? We did buy a pipeline. I mean, we own a pipeline. Yeah, but you can't get it built. But you can't get it built. Okay, great. <laughs> well, it's built. It's just not expanded, right? There you and go, that's yeah. the key. So go expand the darn pipeline, and then maybe we'll talk. So, yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, but then we come back to the politics where we started this conversation. You know, there's only, what, uh, 30 seats or something in Alberta? You know, and the Liberals don't need to win a damn seat in Alberta. They've got to win Ontario. Um, and a lot of Albertans will look at that and go, what are we doing here? So right. politics, absolutely, for the next year, is going to be centered on, uh, is this prudent fiscal management? And uh, if you are going to start spending money to prop up certain sectors, surely oil and gas and energy is uh, sector number one right now. Yeah, for sure. That, that to me, would have been like they could have just focused on that, get that, you know, working, and then you can just start churning the money out. But, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly surprised. But, you know, they didn't lower the corporate tax rate to compete with Trump. Instead, they're, they're doing targeted write-offs. So how's that being, how's that going to help the business across this country? So, um, okay, so, and again, I have to rely on what both business and the government say here, because I'm not a guy spending millions of dollars of machinery myself. But when a business takes a look at the overall uh, tax environment in a jurisdiction. Yes, it looks at the corporate income tax rate that you're going to pay, but it also looks at when we invest in a jurisdiction, we build a new factory, buy a new piece of equipment, um, you know, is that going to be good for us? And then you add all that up into what's called an, a, a marginal effective um, tax rate. And on that score, this, this essentially effective tax rate for business, the government says Canada is now effective immediately the lowest in the G7, and lower than the United States. Didn't read the, the fine print is important here, though, because the fine print says these are temporary measures, just as Trump's corporate income tax is also temporary. I think they expire in about five or six years. So, you know, businesses, if you want to get advantage of these excellent write-offs, you've got to make the, the uh, write-off fast. 
And here's the other bonus, too, to taking the write-off approach. Because it means you don't, you don't get the write-off until you build a new factory or buy some equipment. Well, building new factories means you're creating jobs, uh, buying Canadian steel, presumably, whereas if it's just a corporate income tax cut, you know, that's just a, uh, a benefit that really goes to shareholders who may or may not live in Canada. So you could argue that that's actually a way to uh, spend some tax revenue, as they say, and get uh, some jobs in Canada. Let's talk about the one that um, I hope the bosses aren't listening. But I want to talk about well, the, the, the bailout to the, the media. media. Well, this, this bothers me, and I think it bothers a lot of people, because a nationalized media is not what we want, and they want to set up well, a panel. Well, we with the CDC. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've already got that. And so now they're going to look to give $600 million to bail out the media, which, you know, to speak out against it as the opposition will, you know, then they pillory themselves because it then, I mean, this thing stinks to high heaven. i got to be honest. Well, yeah, so let's, let's, I mean, and you're right, there's people who are going to say just on principle uh, the government shouldn't be doing this, but let's just put it in perspective. It, it, it's not a bailout for, say, our business, for Chorus or, or Global. Um, there's, there is a pool of money for non-profit journalism organizations. The biggest one of those that I can think of is in Montreal, is La Presse, the right. newspaper. It, it turned itself into a non-profit. So there'll be a pool of money, about $400 million in over five years, that non-profits, can say, I'd like to do this journalism project, and I have so much money. And, yeah, it remains to be seen, well, who's going to decide who gets the money, etc. But that's, again, just for nonprofits. The only money available for the for-profit news business, and that is us, that would be the National Post, the Toronto Star, uh, you know, AM640, it doesn't matter, is a tax credit. And this does not involve anybody picking and choosing. It's a tax credit that's available universally to media companies, they can earn a tax credit for every new hire that's involved in producing Canadian news. So if we hire a new reporter, it's 20000 bucks a year or something, I hope we're paying people a little more than that, but let's say it's 20000 bucks a year, then our company would be eligible to get a, ta- a refundable tax credit at the end of the year to cover part of that cost. Again, that is not somebody sitting, there's no, no government person is saying, should we give it to Global or not, or give it to the Star or not? It's just, it's as available as tax credit as, you know, you and I can sit and criticize the government, but we still get a tax credit on our personal income tax form. It's right. just there for everyone. But if you're, so, one of the, what if, if you're one of the independents, though, trying to get money, let's say you're rebel yeah. media and you're trying to get money, uh, you know, they're setting up this panel of journalists who will decide who gets it and who doesn't. And so they could be yeah. very selective and very slanted in who gets money and who doesn't. That, that is problematic. Right. And we saw Rebel out there already today, Ezra, our friend, saying he wouldn't take the money even if it was offered. But you're right. Um, let, I mean, obviously, that particular outlet is no fan of the Trudeau government, and the Trudeau government is no fan of it. And, um, you know, you could say, you could see how uh, the Trudeau may play favorite. I mean, it, it might be, again, it's, it's nonprofit. So, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the startups I'm thinking about is an organization called the National Observer, nationalobserver.ca. And it's doing very good journalism, and it's won some awards, but it definitely does journalism that would support um, those in the Trudeau government who have a, you know, pro-environmental, anti-pipeline, anti-resource agenda. Yeah. That's the kind of journalism they do. And would you, could you see a government, a liberal government saying, yeah, here's all the money you can to keep doing that? And conversely, you know, if the conservatives get in power, would they then have the tools to say to a group like the National Observer, I'm sorry, we don't like that kind of journalism. You don't have any more money for that. 
So it does put a government in the position of picking winners and losers in terms of story ideas. Again, details TBD on, you know, the quote-unquote arm's-length body that is going to be handing out this money. But I think you're right, Alex. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion uh, among our readers, among our viewers, among our listeners. Uh, is this at all appropriate? You know, is a tax credit appropriate? I don't know. Is a, a pool of money for journalists, nonprofit journalists to tap into? I don't know. But then we get to the bigger, I think that may also distract from the bigger elephant in the room. We give a billion dollars to the CBC every yeah. year, a billion yeah. dollars. And they, and, and they cover Trump. We cover the Canadian stuff and they cover Trump. Yeah. Like, you know, so, you know. just quickly before I let you go, because I'm running over time, yeah. but where is the big vulnerability in the, I mean, there's a few, but where, what's really going to nag the Trudeau uh, government? Well, I think, first of all, from on, the, on the progressive left, this is, this is a business budget. There is nothing here for pharmacare. There's nothing here for homeowners, no, nothing to reduce the cost of housing in Toronto or anywhere. And the NDP already beaten the drum on that one. And mm-hmm. to the extent that the NDP can pick their game up and start coming at the Liberals from the left, I think there's a little vulnerability there. We've still got a budget in the spring for the Liberals to back that up. And then it's just the plain old, do you really think the economy is going to keep sailing along like this? Mm-hmm. A lot of experts are saying... Look for the economy to slow down a little bit, starting around the spring, and then we could see some trouble with uh, deficits starting to pile up. Yeah, well, I sure hope it can uh, be grown from the heart out, but I don't expect that Mr. Trudeau is going to get that wish. David, uh, thank you very much for breaking this down. No problem, Alex. Have a great evening. That is uh, David Aiken joining us tonight. Good that he breaks this down. i got to be honest, budgets and stuff like that were like sheer torture for me as a reporter. I'm doing all those numbers, so I'm quite glad to let David and those guys do it. We'll be back here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.